Hello and welcome to Wonderful. I'm David Pearl, the founder of Street Wisdom, and this is a podcast we've designed for anyone who wants to get some inspiration on the go. Today, a lot of us are listening to podcasts while we walk. Wonderful is a podcast designed specifically for that, a podcast to walk to, something to put a bit of wonder in your wonder. You're welcome to listen to this as you wander around your home or lying on the sofa even, you'll find inspiration is actually everywhere. But if you've got a bit of time, and let's face it, we've all got a bit of time, let's boot up and head out into the street. Hello! (laughs) Welcome to the canine edition of Wonderful. That was uh, Biff the dog, just welcoming you, wanderists, wanderians, wanderellas, wanderfellas, wander, wander allies, all enthusiastic wanderers. Welcome back to Wonderful. It's David Pearl, out and about. Are you ready for some more inspiration on the go? I hope so. I hope so. Now listen, uh, many podcasts begin with the uh, presenter saying, and now a word, just first a word from our sponsors. And I don't do that because we currently don't have any sponsors. Uh, I expect that to change when, uh, you know, given the rate that you lovely people are downloading this podcast, I expect us to become a hot property for advertisers very time, uh, anytime soon. But uh, for the moment, we don't. Ha- this is brought to you by me and by the magic of Andrew Payne, our producer. Say hello, Andrew. Hello, Andrew. He's a wag. Um, and I mention that because uh, I'm about to recommend a a show to you and I want you to know that I'm doing that not because I've been paid by Apple Plus to do it but because I think it's a wonderful show. The show is called Ted Lasso. If you haven't see it, seen it, run and see it. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful series uh, which in these days of, of discord and disharmony has incredibly warm heart to it. A bit like Schitt's Creek, it's, it's warm without being sentimental, it's fantastic and it concerns a football coach called Ted Lasso, American football coach who's hired to coach uh, a soccer team in the UK, Richmond Football Club, in a team, a game that he doesn't know at all. But the fortunate thing that he and, and his, his fellow coach Beard, man with beard, um, they understand human nature. And it is, it's wonderful, it's amazing. It's starting second season, but I can't recommend it highly enough. And it provides me not only with delight, but, a, but, a, but a hopefully a not too contrived link to our guest for this episode, who is a coach and much more, coach, writer, artist, Kia Cannons. And what I would say is uh, Kia, like Ted Lasso, has a quality that I really like, which is that she seems to be somebody who um, has that wonderful human uh, capacity to, or compulsion, I would say, to pass on what she's learning. She's not one of these coaches that seems to have come down, you know, the. Uh, Mount Sinai with the answer with their 12 steps and so on she's somebody that is an irrepressible learner and a passer on a, of her learning she's um, she's wonderful um, I've known I, I first met Kia through Street Wisdom and through Psychologist magazine but um, this podcast conversation revealed also things I didn't know about uh, Kia not least the fact that that's not her given name um, we'll drop into the conversation 
at the point where I discover that. Um, but as we do, I just wanted to, uh, back to Ted Lasso for a second, there's a wonderful episode, there's an episode in which he, this will have happened to you, I know, where he says a word, then he says it again, and says it again, and he gets stuck on the word, and the more he says it, the less it means. So, you know, you could take the word um, leaf. It's fine, but you say leaf, 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 and there comes a point where it ceases to have any meaning, and it can it can really derail your mind in, in a quite creative way. Apparently, it's got a name which is semantic satiation, um, or as um, Ted Lasso says, it's when when a word just becomes a sound, and it's it's a great way of um, of re-examining language um, and thinking again what these words words mean. Anyway, as I said, we drop into the conversation where I discover that Kia is a name that Kia's given herself and in a very intentional way. Um, and it made me want to think about my name and whether I could give myself a new name. I mean, David, 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 I mean, David, what's that mean? As, um, Andrew was just saying, Kia, that is the right way to say your name. It's not Kaya. It's not Kaya. No, it's Kia. Yeah. I named myself. Tell us more. <laughs> well, I was born Victoria Gemma Louise Ralph. It's quite a mouthful. And I was just always called Vicky. And I just hated that name. Like, not in a terrible way, but all the girls at school were called Vicky or Nikki. It was just, there was just so many Vickies or Nickies in my year. <laughs> And as I got older, I don't know, it just started, it developed into Key or Kiki. And I really wasn't that keen on that either. But people were really insistent on, you know, when people give you like a lovely name, a nickname, it, it may it mean something to them, but perhaps you might not quite like the sound of it on the receiving end. And so this one day I just thought, well, you know, I wouldn't want to completely change my name, but if they could just add like an uh sound, maybe like just made it Kia. That, that feels really me. And then I just decided at the point, I was having those thoughts when I was just about to start university. And so when I got there, I decided, actually, in fact, no, right before I got there, I actually decided to change my name and I changed it legally by Depol. And um, my parents had to do the thing because I was too young. And then, of course, I did the most embarrassing thing ever, which is I would then meet all these people at university on my first day in halls of residence. I was like, hi, I'm Vicky. No, it's not my name, actually, it's Kia. <laughs> <laughs> I changed it. <laughs> like legally and I forgot <laughs> so um yes changing my name has been quite a funny thing over the years I went through another phase of maybe I shouldn't have changed it was that a bit over the top and now I've got to the point where I actually really feel quite blessed that I had the courage at that age to name myself I kind of love it now I, lo I love that I'm always saying to people when, I, when I'm doing one of the sort of I don't like the term icebreaker, but it is a sort of icebreaker. I ask people, to, uh, what would you <clears throat> have called yourself had you been sentient at the time? Because the name you've got is the only name you were given. Yeah. Um, and it's a really good question, but very few of us have taken the step of actually reinventing ourselves. Did it feel, is Victoria different from Kia? You know, when so you're different. It's a different personality. Yeah. Yeah, so different. Yeah, Victoria has to play by the rules. <laughs> Yeah. And if I was ever called Victoria, I was um, probably about to be pulled up for not playing by the rules. And then Vicky just, 
yeah, it just never resonated. Um, I, I didn't hate it. You know, some people like really have an aversion to their name. I didn't have like a real aversion to it, but I just, yeah, I just had this longing to find my own identity. I have actually named several other friends. <laughs> several friends have said to me over the years, like, I really love what you did. What name would you come up with for me? And then I've come up with one and it's stuck and it's now, yeah. <laughs> they haven't changed wow. it legally. But yes, I, I don't know. I have a thing with names, it seems. Amazing. You, you you popped something earlier on. You just mentioned in passing. You know, you dropped these a bit of childhood trauma, and then you said the time I couldn't walk. What was the time you couldn't walk? Oh yes. So that wasn't that long ago. That was about I want to say about four years ago. Uh, well, actually, I can figure it out. It was when my youngest started school, so it was five years ago. By the and... way, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like. David invites the sunny Kia onto Wonderful and then hunts for all the dark and tormented moments in her life. I just, I love the way you just throw these things in and I can't help but be curious. So, of so. course. Yeah, let's do the thunderclouds. Let's find where the thunderclouds are amongst the, amongst the sunshine. So, yeah. Five years ago, I have got, I've had a niggling pain in my pelvis at this point for four years since I was just pregnant with my youngest, which is quite unusual because I was diagnosed with the usual SPD, which means the weight of the baby at the end of the pregnancy can create a bit of pelvic pain. But I was 10 weeks pregnant, you know, had like a, a grain of rice sized baby growing. So it was a bit weird. Um, but I just, you know, again, no doctors had any answers. It wasn't that bad. So, you know, the human tendency is usually just to keep going. You've got too much other stuff on and not really think about your health or anything like that. So I just kept going. And then four years later, literally overnight, it just went from this sort of niggly four or five out of 10 pain to an all out, I'd give it at least a 20 out of 10. Like I literally couldn't get out of bed. And if I did, it would be putting my hands on the walls to sort of shuffle along and have to sit on the stairs like a child and like, you know, get down the stairs, sitting down and then again, clinging to stuff. Um, and so of course, um, well, me being me, I didn't go to the doctors for the first two months because I was like, oh, I don't want to disturb anybody or bother anyone um, <laughs> and I'll be fine. It's, it's just, I've just pulled something probably. Uh, but two months later, it wasn't fine. So the first time I went to the doctors, I was told, oh, right, um, you need to go on major painkillers. We'll send you to the pain clinic. Bye. And I was like, oh, can I have some tests? Can we not try and figure out what this is yeah. rather than masking the pain? And it was like, oh, no, no, we don't do tests for this kind of thing. And so I was such a people pleaser back then. I hadn't done my work on myself at all. I had no idea about doing work on yourself. And so I just politely nodded and left and uh, proceeded to cash in this crazy prescription for these painkillers, which didn't work and left me literally giggling on the end of the sofa, thinking I was floating on the ceiling. <laughs> I was saying to my husband at the time, if this is their answer, it's not the answer. Like <laughs> my husband at this point was um, working in London and wasn't really around Monday to Friday. And then he was a shell of himself and unable to function himself and exhausted and burnt out on the weekend. So I'm like, I'm in charge of these two little ones. Like this isn't an answer. So I didn't take any more painkillers and I continued to um, hope it would get better. Two months later, I go back to the doctors and I say, look, seriously, please, will you do some tests? Um, you know, I, I actually, I can't walk. I'm like 35, what I was at the time. I'm too young to be lying in bed flat on my back 80% of the day. I had about 45 minutes across the morning and the evening, a kind of pain-free-ish allowance, not pain-free, but where the pain would be enough that I could just shuffle around a bit and make the kids dinner and get them in the bath and things. And, uh, 
And so that second time I went back begging and explaining, like, this is what my life looks like. I need your help. I was told, Kia, I don't know why you're back here. We've sent you to the pain clinic. Their pain in that area of the body is too hard to diagnose. So Kia, you just need to accept this is your life now. Wow. Just. And it's only now looking back that I realize that's really wrong. At the time, still thinking anyone in an authority figure is in charge yeah. and they're right yeah. and you've got to do what they say. So I politely sort of blinked through my tears and said, oh, okay, sorry, <laughs> sorry, uh, left and had a full-blown panic attack um, in the corridor, got myself home, digested what had happened. And the next day I woke up, thank God, and I just said, no, I don't accept. This is my life now. And I went on to a journey of um, healing and, you know, it's quite, quite a long story, but the, the long story short is that I was one degree away from the answer. It turns out one of my best friends at the time had a sister that had gone through a similar thing, but it had sort of manifested differently in her body, which is why it didn't connect in her head when she saw me going through what I was going through. And she put me in touch with her sister's old physio from years ago. And I go along to this woman and I had a textbook case. And within a few weeks, I was back on my feet. And within six months, I was largely back to my old life. It's just insane how the answers so often are out there. But quite often we shut, we shut our life down because yeah. we accept what one person says. Yeah, it's so interesting. I was thinking about the wounded healer and the shamanic tradition that you know the, the wise, the wise woman or the wise man in the, the village often has illness, uh, which is a kind of metaphor for a sort of journey in the underworld. And, and it's through those kind of difficulties you've got something worth offering, which you clearly have, because people you've got queues of people <laughs> queuing up for a blast of Kia. You mentioned, and you use this word permission. You were just describing yourself as a, the the other the Kia, the, a younger Kia, was sort of overawed by authority. Is permission giving yourself permission sort of central to your way of looking at the world? Yes, I think it is, and I think it is a huge part of my life assignment, for want of a better word. I think. Um, Did you say love assignment? Uh, life assignment but love I, assignment is a lovely idea like, too okay i'm liking <laughs> that so my love assignment is i mean i think you should use alternate you should alternate them randomly when you're not speaking yeah just throw it in there love my it. love assignment my love did assignment say, did she say love assignment <laughs> <laughs> well you know the key to everything in life is love so i mean you know what is life i think it is a journey to back to love so i from now on, it is a love assignment. Well, hold that thought. You're, we're coming back to permission in your life assignment, but you sparked something in me I have never, ever thought about. Mm. You said earlier on the word degree. You went with a degree, and I suddenly thought, what does the word degree mean? What does it come from? And guess what? It comes from the word step. Oh. It literally stares. De gradus is to step down. Mm. But I thought it was so interesting, given that you and I sort of met through street wisdom, and we've just mm. been talking about your ability or inability to walk at times. I just think, isn't it interesting that a degree is like a supposed to be a step on the way? But what happens if that way isn't your way? It was just the way that the university has, you know, that life is shoving you that way. It sounds like back to you and your love assignment, you found a way to give yourself permission to kind of wander off the prescribed track, if you like. Yes, I, I really do feel like I came into this world, this little ball of sunshine full of enthusiasm and hope and excitement. 
I feel that then I had then the, the human experience of being molded, told what to do, given advice, you know, well-meaning advice, but advice that then took away my permission to do things. And so then I was, um, you know, I really do love what, I don't know how to say his name, um, Don Miguel Ruiz, is that the name? You know, Five Agreements, Four Agreements? Yes, yes, so, yes, yes. I love what he says is that, you know, the reason we've become people pleasers and, and that really, you know, goes into this idea of uh, boundaries and um, oh, what, what, how did you just describe it? Oh, permission, that kind of thing. Yeah. And what he says is that we're essentially, because the humans, the grown-ups around us show us how the world works, how their society works, what they expect of us, how you thrive in this society, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And we're sort of domesticated no differently to a pet, <laughs> dog or cat or whatever. And, and, you know, through um, through punishment and reward, we want to please the grown-ups because that gives us a better life, an easier life. And I feel like I went, I had that total normal human experience, but a part of me, that, that sunshine inside, if you were, went, this isn't right. There's more to life than this. There's mm. more to me than this but mm. constantly doing what the grown-ups think I should do and what the mm. grown-ups think and staying away from what the grown-ups think is dangerous we were talking about the five agreements and and permission to tell us more about that it sounds it's something you do here coaching people say mm-hmm. and uh, that doesn't make it easy to do which you know give yourself permission to, to tell us what, what's your take on that My take is, well, the thing that really turned my life around was when I finally got a coach myself. And she said to me, the number one thing that you have to do, and I went to her about like eating issues. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's funny that I ended up then not being able to have any of the foods that I wanted, but I went because I I just had a terrible relationship with food, always yo-yo dieting. I felt my issue was that I didn't have enough willpower. So I thought maybe a coach can help me have willpower. And this coach said to me, you know, the the number one thing that you have to do, nothing will change in your life unless you learn to love yourself. And I was like, what the hell is she talking about? I thought I was going to get a meal plan. I don't even know what love yourself means. It sounds icky. I think I don't want to talk about this. And so my journey with learning to love myself began. And what I've discovered about permission is that when you learn to love yourself, and that's on so many different levels. It's, it, you can describe it in so many ways. To begin with, it was accepting my body as it is, body image, who I am, my mistakes I've made, the struggles that I've got, the life circumstances I'd rather change. But to begin with, it was acceptance. And then it was moving into this beautiful state of just deep appreciation for myself and my journey. And, and then from there, it turned to love. And what I've discovered, and this is what my coach is trying to teach me, and she warned me, it will take a while. You want to get the answers now and you want everything to be changed now, but it won't work like that. You're on a journey. And now, many years later, what is so evident is, and it actually only took probably about a year for me to start experiencing this, is that when you learn to love yourself, you treat yourself very differently and you will give yourself permission for things that you would never have done in the past when you didn't love yourself and you didn't think that you were worthy of different things or that you had any value to offer or that you, you know, you should get to enjoy yourself and things like that. 
Um, and so it just became a deeper part of my work. And so, yeah, I think my work in this world is very much on a personal level. It's about giving my, giving myself permission always. And even though I've done that on many levels, like I've, like we've mentioned, you know, I've reinvented myself in terms of my career, um, my name, all sorts and give myself permission to do something creative. I'm also then on this wonderful mission of wanting to give that to other people and say, hey, I've overcome this really hard, sticky, horrible part of life. Let me show you how I did it and let me see if I can help you. And then there is this, my own journey continues where it's now evolving more from permission into having boundaries. I give myself permission to do things, but I I often allow other people, my family, work, aspirations, business strategies, all these kind of things to then, you know, erode those boundaries and stamp all over them and get me exhausted again. So yeah, many levels. So much in what you say, though, it brings a picture to mind of a previous conversation we had where, uh, wonderful listeners, Kia was sitting in her car um, it was the only place she could es- escape from all of uh, from her <laughs> yeah. her many loving commitments. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I see you in your car hiding and talking. Yeah, it's so interesting that 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 ability. You know, with the desire to give, comes the need to be able to not give at times. Otherwise, you do find yourself quite depleted. I mean, I'm. It's something that I continue to work on I have to say but I'm struck by what you said about that such a human thing when you learn something you want to pass it on yeah that was like a huge permission thing for me giving myself permission to do Mm. that I was like the most the thing I'm most excited about is showing people what works in my life and it started you know with with Instagram really I took this messy the the first thing I did that moved me away from that horrible admin job I did the you know this admin job for years and in fact then I at the point that I was even made voluntary I took voluntary redundancy I was working in the NHS and at that point, I could have actually, you know, taken a better path, something that was more suited to me. And I remember my brother taking me out for lunch when I was just about to say yes to this um, this even more stressful admin job with even more responsibility, more money and all those kind of things. And I, you know, going up the ladder, as it were. And he was like, I really don't think you should do this. Can I just say, this is your opportunity to get out and do something creative. You don't have kids yet. You know, I just, I don't see you doing this. And I was like, yeah, but I'm too scared because what if I choose the wrong thing? So thanks, I'm going to go where the money is and the security is and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and, and then continue to get more poorly. Um, why am I telling you that story? Where have I gone and I've gone off on my... Maybe Kia dislikes administration so much that the thought of it... <laughs> it made me think about the difference between the word... I love words and the difference between the word administration. Mm which seems to me has probably got to do to minister to. It's sort of taking care of as opposed to creativity, creating, which has got a much more unruly, you know, abundant kind of fit. You need both, I guess. Mm. Mm. But it's as we talk, it's, you know, it's interesting to see Victoria receding into the background and Kia emerging into the sunlight. Do you think this yeah. is, do you think there's a stage beyond Kia? Do you think there's a time when Kia will go, you know what? I need a new name. Ooh, no, I don't think I'll ever need a new name, but I do think that Kia is rising up every day. 
and taking off more of the shackles, more letting go of more of the beliefs that don't serve me, that keep me still at times playing small. I mean, because this is the human experience, isn't it? You know, we I don't know that we're ever done with our work. I think if we're done, we're probably gone. <laughs> We've yeah. finished. Are there any unhelpful beliefs you're working on at the moment? I know I've oh, got a few. How many? Where do we begin? Share one. Share <laughs> one. Get, let's get practical. Oh, okie dokie. Well, then I will just grab my manifesto of beliefs that uh, I am trying to put into my brain and that will uh, remind me of all the ones that I'm trying to get rid of. What's the last one? Ah, okay. Those who can't see, Kia has just, has just opened a spangled, a golden-spined <laughs> book. Is, is, that a, is, that a, is that a manual? Is that a journal of some sort? It's a journal, yes. This is what, um, this is a method that, uh, well, it came to me in a meditation, and then I started teaching the ladies that are in my little uh, monthly membership group this process, and it is just phenomenal for being able to go from, I'm, I've got a hurt or I've got a problem, to I've worked through to figure out what the truth and the facts really are, like what's really going on underneath that, and then find the thought that you need to put in your head. And then the last part of that process is that you write down all those thoughts you're trying to put into your head through doing this process. You do this process all the time on everything that's bothering you, everything that's overwhelming you. You end up with a bunch of empowering thoughts. And so my advice is you write them all in a separate journal and you call it, I call it your manifesto. And you just read it again and again and again. And when you keep putting into your head what you want to think, it's really phenomenal how you look back at it six months later and you go, did I used to have a problem believing this? That's insane. Like, I know it. I'm embodying it. It just is part of me now. So, of course, mine usually comes back to rest. That is a huge area in my life that um, I am really working on and healing through. So, one of my statements is, I empower my mind, body, and soul when I take time to rest. So, a belief that I am therefore working on with that is that um, I don't get to rest because there's too much to do. It's always an issue with time mm. that, uh, not always, but one of my big things is I don't have enough time. There's too much to do and I need to go faster. But the mm. truth is I move through my life and my business so much more powerfully when I slow down and especially when I come from it from, from being. I'm, trying, I'm learning this whole new concept of doing from being doing you know whatever you do do it from a state of being and that state of being is always a slow restful place mm. so yeah that that's just 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 one of them but there are many obviously gosh there's so much in what you said i saw this saw these two pictures the kia who was sort of doing from doing from hurriness mm. is like a little water boatman scattering around on the surface of the water yeah. very you know sort of uh, frenetic, vital, but quite frenetic. Yeah. And then, as you were, as you were working with the hand, uh, you were sort of miming like this kind of, I don't know, like this this majestic boat that's plowing through the water, mm. powerfully, mm. but without any stress or obvious uh, activity in a way, just surging through. It's lovely. Yeah, and I find that it takes faith to move from that frenetic space to this slower space and that is again part of the work that I'm always always working on is yeah. how can I see this through the lens of love and faith that I'll be okay faith in myself faith in something bigger than me mm. rather than it's all on my shoulders and I've just got to go faster and work harder to yeah. you know get to the other side 
back to rest and this power of rest, which is something I need to learn about because I feel I feel, learn more about. Part of what street wisdom is about, I think, is slowing down and discovering that slow doesn't mean um, lacking in energy, quite the opposite. But there's this unhelpful uh, connection we make in our minds between sort of speed and productivity. Even yeah, that word productivity is a reasonably modern invention. The yeah. idea that we're here to be productive, said who? Where is that? You know, what's, what's that about? Oh, I uh, love that you've brought that up. Yeah, tell yeah. me why. Yeah, like who says? We're all looking at how to be more productive, get more done, get to the results that we want faster. Who said we? that's the way? <laughs> why are we all unconsciously like responding to that? I know. It's okay. something I, I tripped over when I was writing Wonderful. That, and I went back to the word productivity is only about two to 300 years old. And it first appears wow. around the time of, um, it's in the 18th century, around the time of Thomas Jefferson uses it, I think. Mm -hmm. And he was a guy that didn't wake up. Well, he probably was pretty enthusiastic. He might have had that, that Kia Cannon's, okay, let's go on with day. Yeah. But he would divide his day into little blocks and he had a journal and he would write at the end of the day everything he did. And he'd set some time aside for prayer. Then he'd have breakfast. Then he'd have setting an intention for the day. All of which at one level, Hats off. But it issued in this notion that being productive was godly, that there was a moral link between using your time, quotes, productively and being morally good yeah. and, 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 and worthy of God's love. And um, I think that's very hard, very hard one to break. But I really got it when you said that idea of nourishing yourself. You empower yourself when you slow when when you go slow. I had a I'm going to confess now. I had a, a sneaky, had a sneaky uh, what they call in Italy a pisolino, which is a little little sleep, a little mini siesta, a couple of days ago, in the afternoon, and I felt, I felt there was an element of shame to it, and then I thought, no, it's a siesta. It's hot outside, and you're doing what your body wants. Enjoy it. But as, as a North London boy, I, I, I do struggle with that. So that, you've inspired me a little bit. Now, we, with Wonderful, what we do is, um, and this has been wonderful, and we could go on and on and on, but as we come to the end of our allotted time, and, and uh, uh, Andrew, our producer, will be looking at his, the sand in his time glass, um, is just think about thinking about an exercise or a little experience that we could share from Kia's what Kia, what Kia is saying and turn into a um, into short exercise you do while you're walking. Oh, I have just the thing. I can't believe Go for how it, synchronistic Kia. this is. Okay. We need, wow. I think we need your we need a little sting, a little a little a little jingle. So I'm gonna go uh, um, uh, have no fear, you're with Kia. Uh, let's have an exercise. Go. Hello, everybody. This exercise <laughs> this week. <laughs> right. This is something I have been doing the last week to two weeks, and it has changed my life. And I can't believe that it's all about walking. And I'm talking to you about walking and wandering. So I have, I watched a documentary on Netflix all about grounding. 
And as these documentaries are designed to do, it then makes you want to change your entire life. I remember watching one about um, plastic, one about meat, and I immediately stopped eating plastic and recycling everything and all that. Well, this one had the same effect on me. And I was like, wow, grounding apparently can really help with inflammation, which is what caused me to not be able to walk. And so I'm like, let's give it a go. We, you know, maybe it won't be the answer to all my problems, but let's start grounding. What is grounding? What? We don't know. Okay, grounding is is simply being barefoot on the ground, on grass, on sand, on, I guess the pavement will probably do. I've seen people grounding on that, but it just doesn't feel as good to me as being in nature. I don't want my toes near tires and people's shoes. I like to get into the woods. So what I do is I go into the woods. I'm very lucky that I live near a big lake. And this quote that I heard the other day, and I'm going to completely mess it up, but the essence of the quote was what led to this beautiful walk, which your listeners can do as an exercise, was something on the lines of, we think productivity is the answer, but the path is to slow down to the pace of nature. Mm. That is the path. Like That is true success. And I was like, oh, you know, doesn't that just sum up quite a lot of what we've been saying today about needing to look at productivity differently, rest differently? And I felt like that was a bit of a challenge can you, Kia Cannons, with all your enthusiasm and your to-do list that's never-ending, can you slow down to the pace of nature? So what I've been doing, it's great weather right now at the time of filming to be able to, you know, get your shoes off out and about. So I've been going to the woods and taking off my shoes and having a walk and having that in my mind of, am I slowing down to the pace of nature? And what I've discovered is that walking without shoes makes you slow down because you're looking where you're putting your feet mm. and you're looking at the ants on the floor and the, you know, on the ground even and the, the stones and things like that. And then when I was having this beautiful walk the other day, I came across a log with a lovely little stream of ants one column going in one direction, picking up, a, it's so cute, they're going on this huge log to pick up the tiniest little speck of wood from inside the log. They go down a hole and they come out. And then they come out on the other side and then they have this long, long chain going back, carrying um, all these different sized pieces of wood. And I thought, well, that's the pace of nature. Look, they're just slowly, they're doing their thing, but it's slow. And so I now challenge myself when I'm barefoot walking to find evidence of what the pace of nature is looking at a bird looking at the water (laughs) and slowing myself down to that pace i don't know if that helps oh it's so great I thought it was quite funny with the, with the ants, though, because they, they've been quite productive. In fact, they're you know, <laughs> literature and poetry, they're the, the industrious ant. But what I get is also just take up a little bit of wood. Don't take up the whole damn log. Just take a yes. little bit of wood. Yes. Work with your friend. Get a little bit of wood each. It'll be fine. Yeah, because the ones that had the huge pieces that you really noticed, like, wow, look at that huge piece of, um, of wood that you're carrying. It was bumping into everyone. It was going zigzagging. They were knocking the lamps over them to get back up. And I'm like, you know, you didn't need to do that. Look at the ant behind you. He's, he's got nothing. He's just picked up the smallest bit he could get away with. But that is kind of hilarious that we bring it back to productivity by actually using ants as an example. No, I love, I love what you say because it, 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 you, what you, this pace, this idea of what is the pace, it, it links to, again, as a musician, when I was writing Wonderful, it occurred to me that there's, there's a tempo 
to mm. nature. There's a tempo to your surroundings. Mm. And sometimes that tempo is faster, sometimes that tempo is slower, and they're both good. The question yeah. is, can you key into the tempo of what needs to happen um, and not fight it? There are times when we need to move quick mm. and there are times we really need to move slow. But uh, back to back to the Kia Cannon's mantra, are you choosing in a way? Yes. Can we choose consciously, choose our our tempo so that it accords with nature? You know, can we can we can we key into the nature that's in us and around us? Mm. Oh, that that is it. And I think that really does sum up so much of what we've talked about today and what is behind sort of my philosophy in my life and everything I teach. It's about the fact that we have choices and that we have to wake ourselves up in a way from our unconscious sleepwalking through life, repeating the same patterns, doing the same things, not questioning stuff. And it's only when you've had enough of the fact that that's not working that you go, oh, fine, I'm willing to do some work on myself. I'm willing to find an expert who will help me. And then, of course, you know, if you're working on yourself, you're generally taught to start looking at the things that you're believing, the actions and the patterns that are perhaps sabotaging what you want. And, and so you begin to grow when you get onto that path. I'm inspired. I'm literally inspired, um, which is, after all, the purpose of this podcast. I'm inspired to try that exercise that Kia described to us, uh, taking your shoes and socks off and standing, seeing what that does to literally ground you. you know, take that metaphor of grounding and make it, make it literal. Now, so what I suggest we do is that in time-honoured fashion, we are going to end wonderful with a with a, an experience that we're going to share so what i'm suggest you do is uh in the next 10 minutes um is we ground ourselves now you may or may not be uh, in a position where you can take your shoes and socks off um and walk about if not then maybe try this after the um try that after the podcast what you could do though is you can uh walk for 10 minutes putting your attention on the soles of your feet, whether they're in a shoe or making contact with the ground. We found in Street Wisdom when you do that, it is a wonderful way of grounding yourself. And your mind might wander, which is fine, of course, but if you want to keep attention on your feet, you might imagine that they have different colors. So mine at the moment might be, feels like my, my left foot is red and my right foot is a kind of a sort of apple green and as I walk I might just notice the colors and notice if they change another exercise I often do is is just trying to imagine not look at them with my eyes but with my imagination and imagine are they the same shape same size sometimes so right at the moment my right foot feels a lot bigger than my left foot and a third thing you can do is to give them names Back to Ted Lasso, back to uh, Kia Cannons. Rename your feet, why don't you? Uh, I don't know, Tom and Jerry, maybe, or Dolce and Gabbana. I, I let your imagination fly, but give them names that suit them. If I were to do it right now, I might say uh, uh, Stan and Ollie is what it feels like to me. Stan being the left foot, naturally. Um, 
But what I am going to do is because I'm in a situation where I'm on a road and there is a uh, there is a what do you call it a sort of a grassy border that looks looks clear of dog waste. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my shoes and socks off and uh, see what it's like to stand there um, and, and walk about a bit. I'll, uh, why don't you do it with me so I'm not alone and. Um, we will see how that feels and pause this podcast now uh, and turn it on again in about 10 minutes when we've got something to share. See you then. Hey, so welcome back, shoeless ones, sockless people. How was that? I had, <laughs> I had fun. Um, I think, uh, wow, that was, was really, it was really interesting. So three things I immediately got that I'm chewing on. The first is I was reminded that the soles of your feet are a sensory surface. They are, and would have been for you know, countless eons, a key way of our ancestors interacting with the world around, possibly even the most important, feeling the world beneath your feet. Um, and as soon as uh, I took my shoes and socks off, I realized that they were really uh, unused to that conversation, the conversation of twigs and sharp stones and sandy bits and hot concrete and, and cold brick and so on so it's almost like my feet were learning relearning a new language really quickly which was really interesting um like like tasting again as it were um another thing i noticed it was pretty odd it felt pretty odd to be taking my shoes and socks off in public in a public street and but a bit like and i felt this doing when i first used to experiment with street wisdom that oddness, if you stay with it, turns into a bizarre sort of freedom. It's like, yeah, I'm living by my rules. Who says I should have shoes and socks on uh, in the city? Why? And this, there's a, yeah, and that's where I am now. And that's the third thing I've noticed is I feel very reluctant to put my shoes back on. <laughs> so thank you, Kia, for that. Thank you, Kia, for spending uh, your time with us. Thank you for the work you do and your sort of incessant, sunny um, compulsion to learn and pass those learnings on. I salute you. We all salute you. Thank you also, Wanderistas. Um, without you, I would be wandering alone, this, this earth, this planet of ours. Um, and yet I feel that we have a, a fellowship of, uh, of, of wonderfulness. So, um, keep your eyes and ears open for the next episode of Wonderful. Until we meet again on the crooked road of life. Um, have a wonderful time. You can find out more about these mindful walking techniques at streetwisdom.org, a global nonprofit founded by David Pearl. Street wisdom is an everyday creative practice you use as you walk to help you unblock your mind and to find clarity and inspiration. Follow us on socials at streetwisdom underscore for free guided in-person and online workshops. You got it, walking workshops. 
You can also download our audio guides on Spotify. Just search for Street Wisdom. Happy wandering.